Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk FYC Edition. Oh, it is FYC time. Again, you know, we've missed it for two long television seasons without in-person events. The TV Academy actually forbid them, wouldn't let them happen. And so all those FYC, for your consideration, activations and things that became so popular with the TV Academy a few years ago um, are back. And boy, are they back. And we're going to be talking about that, all that entails. Is it effective? And all of that. And plus, you will hear a snippet of Dominic's conversation with Better Things' Pamela Adlin. Yes. But before we talk to the amazing Pamela and talk about the better things and some of the best things of better things, FYCs. Now, you might say, (laughs) why are we talking about this thing that all you people in New York and LA get to go to and the rest of us don't? (laughs) Well, proximity sometimes is half the battle, my friend. And the thing is, before the pandemic, FYCs at this time of year and moving forward dominated the landscape. The renting of ancient buildings like the Hollywood Athletic Club, the, the, the studio lots and studios themselves turned into museums of television. Museums and, as well as the almost word. theme yeah. parks. Yeah. And then the pandemic came. And yeah. then it got very cold and very dusty. And of course, there were many, many serious things about the pandemic. But in terms of FYCs, they just disappeared or they became virtual, which has its own special appeal. But it's nothing like the in-person shindigs people like to have. And that both Pete and I have moderated a number of them over the years. And we've seen your faces there. We've seen the faces of the stars, the creators, the execs. And we've seen the effect it has where the people are out meeting the people they watch and love. And now we're back. And now we're back huge. It's like two years was held up energy that came out (laughs) with three years worth of FYCs. I don't know how TV Academy members are going to find the time to go to all these events unless they just make it their life to do this. There are so many. Now, of course, I I broke a couple of uh, stories uh, recently uh, that Netflix uh, would be back with their uh, month-long activation at Raleigh Studios, which they had pre-pandemic. They've got numerous Q&As. Sting is going to perform uh, at one of them. I have a a question about that, actually. So I'm really, I was, when I, when you told me about that story, I was really surprised about the police front men showing up because A, you know, to (laughs) me, some of the, the most, let's put it, insomnia curing words in the English language are and featuring Sting. But also, Sting is actually, in my opinion, too, and I'm going to jump on my own script here, one of the best things about Hulu's only murder in the building. And if you haven't seen it, let me tell you, Sting shows up and he's awesome for uh, an episode. And then his, there's kind of a lingering effect of his presence there. And I mean that in the best way, like rose petals. Yeah. So why isn't he performing for Hulu? Why the hell is he showing up for Netflix? He's showing up for Netflix because he likes this little animated series called Arcane. And, you know, and and that is what he's there. And he did a song for it. And, you know, they have a best song category in the Emmys. It may not be on the primetime Emmys, but it's there. 
and it's uh, not so, even on the back burner Emmys, my friend. Yeah, but you know what? He's writing a song for this. He, he's eligible. You know, there's all of that. Anyway, Netflix throws it all against the wall. Of course, food and drink. They were one of the innovators of this, but boy, they aren't the only ones. And NBC Universal, uh, along with Disney, uh, have found ways to incorporate all of their brands on their FYC events. So this year, for the very first time, NBC Universal has taken over a uh, place uh, near Vine Street in Hollywood, uh, and uh, and they uh, uh, did this whole big uh, activation with all kinds of shows from Bravo and E and Universal Studio Group and NBC. Let's not forget the network and brought in you know stars like Renee Zellweger and others. Uh, to do this thing at their thing in mid-May, and um, you know, and so many others uh, doing this as well. Disney FYC happening in June. Now, remember when Disney took over the Rose Bowl and turned it into a drive-in? Yeah, that was their big thing. Remember this year they have taken over the El Capitan Theater, which Disney uses yeah. as their own little showcase. And they're doing a huge, right on Hollywood Boulevard. Yep, they're doing a huge FYC uh, event for Disney. Getting into it now for the first and, time. And then Amazon have this like mansion in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, tell me about turned, that. They, they, they've taken over place. some big, big place, uh, yeah. very expensive mansion, and they're doing all kinds of things. Like you mentioned, museums. They've got all kinds of things representing their shows. This is where the stars come to mingle, to do Q&As as well. And jumping into the game for the first time also is the Warner Brothers panel series. Uh, this is going on and on and on on the Warner Brothers lot. Um, and it goes from May and June uh, at the Warner Brothers uh, Studio Tour Theater. Uh, so you get to go on a big old time movie lot here and have fun uh, with all of their shows, extensive exper uh, appearances from stars at that thing. Believe me, that runs through June 18th, right up to Emmy voting. And uh, actually, maybe even a little longer than uh, Netflix's month long uh, engagement, too. All of these places uh, really are looking to grab attention here from voters. How many? I don't know. This may be the same 200 people who go night after night after night. But the well, there, Academy... I mean, Pete, there is that. I yeah. mean, <laughs> you and I have moderated more than a few panels where you see the same three or four people in the front row. Uh, and the Academy, you know, is made up of 20,000 voters. OK, how do you reach them? Some of them are putting in a virtual thing here, too. Yeah. And that's what Netflix is doing. But this is expensive and this is a lot of time consuming stuff and this is a lot of work. Why do you think this is caught on this way? Is it because one did it, everyone's gotta do it? I mean, I look, I, I think I think the game really changed when Amazon and Netflix got involved. I mean, I think that what they did is before everybody did FYCs, they were usually, it was the intimacy of them, the small scale of them that gave them their appeal. You did a, I mean, you, you've done them, I've done them. You did a, a small theater or, or some sort of event, usually in one of the already established venues. You know, it was a little bit of an invite. There was a little bit of food. The stars would come out and kind of walk through the crowd either before or after the panel. Um, there was a gift bag, something like that. Usually, you know, a, a tote bag with a few other little things in it. 
And then Netflix and Amazon came along. And, you know, the kind of stuff that Netflix was doing at Raleigh Studios, the kind of things that they were doing at venues over on, on Wilshire, Amazon taking over the Hollywood Athletic Club, which is, of course, a, a multi a multi floor building with a fairly big ballroom in the back that they turned into an auditorium of sorts on different years, found different ways to angle that room. You know, it's about money. It's about the power of it. We, Oscar campaigns have, have evolved over the decades. FYCs have evolved over the past seven years and they've become mega. They're concerts, as you talked about with Sting happening. They're, you know, I've, I've been involved in those. They also take unconventional approaches. So, you know, I worked on, I did a Netflix panel once, which was um, female directors. And those directors, those female directors, by the way, were all well-known as actresses as well. So it really gave an appeal like that. So I think you find yourself looking at who has the deepest pockets. What's interesting to some degree is these decisions to do these things, to go, to rent out or, 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 or lease these venues, to create these massive installations, um, which I've learned from personal experience can be very time consuming. Um, we're all done before the stock market decided to take the skids. And Netflix, <laughs> and Netflix had a particularly bad quarter with a, a, the first time in 10 years, a loss of subscribers. Right. So to some degree, this is about keeping up appearances now. And that's very important in a town that's all about perception. You know, I think you're right too. And also they all offer food and drink and things. You know, let me tell you about the prime experience, Amazon taking over this mansion, what they are luring. Television Academy voters will enjoy unparalleled invitation only access to screenings and events at the luxurious prime experience theater. This is in a house and be able- house is a, I've been there. House is like, you know, it's like saying how, you know, <laughs> Saudi Arabia has oil. Like, oh, okay. it's, it's a thing, okay, it's, it's big. And they'll be able to indulge themselves at our candy and nail salon, uh, tarot part, part, coffee and juice bars, limited access to fans and the general public as well. So they're not just letting in voters. They are bringing in viewers. And the great unwashed, like my friend. The great unwashed. <laughs> I think, you know, I, to some extent, no, but I'll tell you what, I think that's a very smart idea. Because sometimes when you do these things, you, you bring in just academy voters, and then, you know, you, you pad the room with execs and people like that. What's interesting is when you bring in, for lack of a better expression, regular fans, their enthusiasm is off the leash. And so you actually get more of a sense of this being, oh, this is an occasion. It's it, it often I used to find, again, before Netflix and, and Amazon got involved and then everybody else changed their game, FYCs could be kind of stayed. You know, they were very much like, I come out, I talk about my project. It's kind of solemn, you know, not very much kind of working the, you know, the, the political backslapping of a good vote. Now, this is retail politics. Yeah, it really is interesting. You know, and another side of the campaigning that goes on here is the Television Academy themselves. They have now reopened themselves to live and live means renting out that Wolf Theater and North Hollywood at their headquarters. And that is very lucrative for the Academy. I bet, I think that theater uh, goes for, and they may have upped it, was 12,500 before. Yeah. And it may be even more now for these things. And some of these events with all the bells and whistles and all the food thrown in is a very pricey thing for these groups to go in. And when you mentioned Wall Street and all of the uh, things, I'm wondering at what point 
do we pull back? But maybe they don't pull back here because the prestige of being in this race and luring talent to your uh, network or studio or, or uh, streaming service, it trumps it all, I imagine here. And this is a way of showing it. I agree. And now to speak about talent that trumps it all, a wonderful segue to the amazing <laughs> Pamela Oglin, who is not just a star of Better Things, which concluded its fifth and final season just recently, but was the director, was the writer, was the showrunner, was everything in the multi-hyphenated way. And as always, was wonderful and amazing to speak with as I got the opportunity to speak with her at our recent Contenders TV event. Take a listen. Okay, so I, I'm so glad you're here. And I know you've got so much going on. Um, so we want to talk about a whole bunch of things. But the first thing I want to ask you is, I talked about it in the intro. I mean, really, are there any more hats to wear? It's incredible the amount of work you do on the show. Well, I always say that, you know, I'm there anyway, because I'm in it. So I might as well do the other stuff. But I I, I think the- Might the, as well. Yeah, I mean, I- it was a great way for me to get out of the house. I started the show like seven years ago and my kids were really young and I was like, oh, thank God. I have to be somewhere, not here. And now my kids are all grown and two of my kids have moved out. And so it j just this journey has been incredible. And so it, when it started, I was like, oh, wow. All these people are listening to me. Like, they want to listen to me. And I would go home and my kids would be like, you know what I mean? And I mean, but not, not like that. Everybody's like, you know, the way the kids speak to Sam and, and everything. I mean, the reality is being a, a, a parent is hard. Um, I always say that every mom is a single mom, whether she's married or not. Um, True that. Ladies. Um, but being a single mom of three girls is the most extraordinary boot camp for literally anything you ever could do. So that was my training ground. Well, for that, you know, people always, always ask, they, they, they say, you know, where the line between Sam and Pamela blurs or ends, does it? I mean, it feels so much like you, there's so much of who you are in the show how do you manifest that or how do you like, how do you drip that out or do you? Well, I always say that um, Sam is like me in a cape. So she's like the ultra version of me. So if I, you know, if you guys have ever been in a situation where you, you know, have an altercation and you're in the car on the way home and you're like, I wish I had said that, or I wish I didn't do this, or wouldn't that be crazy if this happened, or wouldn't that be really bad if this happened? So I just put all of that kind of juice into Sam and the show. And when I, you know, I, I say that the show is like a chocolate shake and I put kale in it, you know? So Santa Monica. So Santa Monica. <laughs> or spinach. Yeah. If you're watching on the live stream, this is an L.A. joke moment. Yeah, or spinach yeah. for those who are into Popeye from yeah. the 60s. But um, I like your blanket. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, yes. Um, but I, I, like, for example, in season three, Sam gets home and 
she was on a plane that the cockpit caught fire and she gets home and there's people in her house that she doesn't recognize and then and then Rich leaves and she goes to Frankie's room and she's like, why are all those people downstairs? And then Frankie's like, I have to read this play. And Sam says, how much have you read? And she's like, nothing. And she goes, can you help me? And I'm like, I just was on, and she starts to say she was on a plane that was on fire. And you know, kids don't care. They just, but it's not that they don't care. They don't need to hear that. You, you know, so Sam just kind of sucks it up and says, how about this? How about I read a chapter and you read a chapter and then we'll just get through it. And they start reading Raisin in the Sun by Lorraine Hansberry, which is this beautiful play. And so- American classic. It's an unbelievable play. And so the pieces that, that Frankie's reading resonate in the, in the world of the show and it all lends itself to each other. You know, she's talking about how worn the chairs are in this house, in this play. And then like two weeks later, I'm shooting with Glenn Turman, uh, like all these cronies who were friends with my dad. And Glenn tells me that he originated the role of the boy in Raisin in the Sun on Broadway. And I'm like, oh my God. Pamela never disappoints on or off the air. And thank you so much on and off the air for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for every single episode. And of course, you can find all of our TV breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. We'll see you throughout the rest of this Emmy season. We're going to listen. You're going to be listening to us every week. Talk to you later.